are at Matthew chapter 28. You know, we're living in a very interesting time right now, in a time where we see that different events in our world, different now things are being canceled, and whether it's school or your, maybe your work or whatever it is that you were looking forward to is being canceled or is being, being put on a standstill. Well, what's amazing about today and about what we're going to read and to understand is that you cannot cancel Easter. It, it, there's no way over 2,000 years ago, all the forces of hell tried to cancel Easter and they failed. <laughs> and that's exactly why we've come today to be able to read and enjoy and be spoken of, of that risen hope that we have in the living Savior, Jesus Christ. I've titled today's message, The Victory. And if you like taking notes this Resurrection Sunday, I would encourage you to write that as the title, The Victory. The Victory. And it's important that we see the victory because we've already addressed the cross. On Good Friday, we spoke about the events or the suffering of the Messiah. The sacrifice, the Lamb of God, that He went to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that God loved us. God loved us enough to send His Son. He loved the world. To send His Son to the cross, to die for the sins of the world. And that was His grace being manifested on the cross. Not our works, but the finished work at the cross. That whoever believes in Jesus and puts their faith in, in the cross and the finished work of Christ. Whoever puts their faith in Him will have everlasting life. What a promise. But I want you to know that the hope that we have doesn't end at the cross. In fact, three days later, what we're going to read today is that Jesus rose from the dead. That's so amazing that He rose from the dead. What, what, what would Easter be if Jesus just went to die and He didn't rise from the dead? In fact, that would not be a living hope. That would be a dead hope. <laughs> But in Jesus, we have a living hope because He rose from the dead. Would you read with me now Matthew chapter 28 verse 1 as we open up today in God's Word? And it reads this, Matthew 28 verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold... There was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. Underline that in your Bible church. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. And he said to them, come and see the place where the, the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. Let's go ahead and pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the resurrection. 
And we ask, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, what the resurrection means. How does this apply to victory in our lives today, Lord? That we would understand that the gospel message is not, Lord, complete without the resurrection. That our forgiveness, that the power that we live in is found in the cross and also in the resurrection, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for this truth, Lord, that we can hold on to. In times like these, we can look at an empty tomb and be filled with hope. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And together we said, Amen. We're going to look at three several things through our text this morning in regards to what the message of the empty tomb is. In fact, the, the message of the empty tomb is do not fear. Do not fear. I think that's something that we all need to hear today. We're living in a time where fear is crippling and is paralyzing the world around us with the news that we hear that are ever so changing every day, every minute now that we hear. And it's important that as we are reading this, that we are reminded, do not fear. When we look at the empty tomb, we can be filled with hope. We can think, do not fear, because the message of the resurrection is do not fear. Have you noticed that when we look and we read through Scripture, that from beginning to the end of the ministry of Christ, from His birth, we hear fear not. We hear fear not at His birth. We hear fear not at His resurrection. We hear peace at his birth and we also hear peace at his resurrection we hear about joy at his birth and then we also hear about joy at his resurrection as well because it's that which Jesus did at the cross and at the resurrection that brings us now peace and it brings us joy and it cancels fear there's a lot of things that are being canceled but what Jesus canceled at the resurrection was fear and we no longer have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. There are three major points that we will also see through this text. And it's number one, that through the death and the resurrection, Jesus overcomes his enemies. Would you write that down? Number one, he overcomes his enemies. Jesus at the resurrection overcomes his enemies. Jesus through the resurrection also keeps his promises. What a comforting thing that today we can see that Jesus at the resurrection keeps his promises. And number three, finally, what Jesus does through the resurrection, through his death and resurrection, is that Jesus, he goes before you. Today we can know that as we are celebrating Resurrection Sunday from our home is that Jesus has overcome his enemies, that Jesus keeps his promises and that he goes before you. It was C.S. Lewis that said this, Jesus has forced opened a door that had been locked since the death of the first man. Well, isn't that amazing? Jesus forced opened a door that had been locked since the death of the first man. What door was that? It was the door into hope. It was the door into everlasting life. Now let's read the story because from beginning from verse 1 of chapter 28 of Matthew, we see that Jesus, number one, overcomes his enemies. How does he overcome his enemies? Well, it says here in verse 1 that after the Sabbath, that the first day of the week came, and we know that as Resurrection Sunday now, 
It said that the first day of the week came and it began to dawn that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. So Mary Magdalene is coming to the tomb with the other Mary now and and they're coming together. And it says that it was beginning to dawn or it was early in the morning or it was at sunrise. That's where we get the sunrise service. That they visited the tomb at sunrise. It was the first day of the week. Notice this as these women made it a priority to go to the tomb. They made it a priority to go see the body of Jesus. It's so important that we also make the priority. And what they did is that on the Sabbath, they could not go to the tomb. But the first opportunity that these women had, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they go to the tomb. They came to the tomb. They were fully expecting to see the dead body of Jesus. And they went early while it was done. In fact, in John chapter 20 verse 1, it says that they went while it was still dark. They went while it was still dark. And they're approaching the tomb in fear. They're approaching the tomb with worry. They're approaching the tomb with sadness. But they walk away with joy and they walk away with hope. And maybe today you're approaching this message or this service online with fear in your heart, with anxiety, with worry, with with maybe a troubled mind that you're wrestling with different thoughts. Well, I want to let you know that you can walk away from this service now with joy and hope, the same joy and the hope that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were filled with. Because yes, they were approaching it with worry, And in fact, one of the worries that they were worried about was the stone in front of the tomb. In Mark chapter 16, verse 3 and 4, it tells us that Mary, and as they walked now towards the tomb, that they said, well, they were worried, who's going to roll that stone away so that we can get to the body of Jesus and embalm the body with the spices that we have? They didn't know how they were going to roll the stone away. And they were worried about, maybe you are worried right now, about the stone that is standing in the way of your answer to peace, about that which is standing in the way to the answer of hope, of that which is standing in the way to cancel fear, of that which is standing in the way to give you faith right now in a time, uh, in a moment of darkness. Because these women knew the truth. They had lived with Jesus, but in a moment of darkness, they became weak in faith. And they were living almost as if Jesus was dead. Do you see how moments of darkness in our life can get us to begin to live in fear and in doubt? It's one moment of darkness, and in the moment of darkness, we should never doubt what God and Christ through His Word has told us in the light. Let's read here verse 2, because it tells us that something happens, and it says here, and behold. I want you to underline behold, because there are three beholds in the ten verses that we're going to read today. Behold. There was a great earthquake. What does the word behold mean? It means to be very attentive. It means to contemplate. It means to perceive. Or in fact, when we think about the word behold, we can think about the word focus. And he's going to give us three things here in Matthew. Three things to focus now when we look at the resurrection of Christ. Three things to focus on, on a moment of despair, on a dark moment, on a moment where we need hope, we can focus on these three things. And he says, behold, or focus, see, be attentive, contemplate. And he gives them the focus now. He tells them to behold now the empty tomb. What can we behold here? 
we can behold the access that He's giving us to the empty tomb. He's given us access to the empty tomb, access to hope. Read verse 2 with me, it says, And there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. It said that there was a great earthquake. Notice that earthquakes, Jesus loved to make the world shake. In fact, it said that when he died on the cross, there was a great earthquake. And when he resurrected, there was another earthquake in his death and then in his resurrection. And an angel descended from heaven and rolled a stone back from where it was. And he sat on the now stone here. And that stone for that very first moment ever in eternity, that stone that was standing in the way of hope was rolled away. But I want you to know it was not rolled away so that Jesus can walk out. It was rolled away so that me and you can step in. And this is so important that we realize this because the, ro- the stone was rolled away so that me and you can behold hope. So that me and you can focus on hope. Notice the stone was rolled away so that I, so that me and you together as a church, we can focus on hope. And it says this, his countenance, speaking about the angel, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. He was now signifying purity and holiness in this celestial being now that had appeared now at this gravesite at the tomb of Christ. In verse 4, it tells us here, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Now the word shook is the same word in where we get the word now earthquake. They were not only paralyzed with fear, not only did they shake at the impact of seeing an angel. Just imagine, you see an angel for the very first time when you are supposed to be guarding this grave site and this tomb, this rolled this stone away and sitting on it, that they were shaken for fear. They were scared now. Not only were they paralyzed by fear, but they were completely unconscious now. They were totally traumatized by what they had seen. They saw an angel now. You see here how this angel had a message. And this is the same message that you and I have to hear. This is the message in verse 5. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid. This is the same message that me and you need to hear about today in this season in life. It is no coincidence how God has orchestrated the events that are taking place around our world and then given us a message of resurrection and then given us a message of victory and then given us a message of do not be afraid. Because that's the message that we need to hear in this season. Do not be afraid. What, what could they possibly be afraid of? They can be afraid of the angel. <laughs> They can be afraid of of not knowing if Jesus was gone, if Jesus was missing. They can be afraid of not having any hope any longer, but they were afraid here. And he told them, do not be afraid. This is the encouragement that we get in the empty tomb. When we behold and we focus on the empty tomb, fear is canceled. Do not be afraid. And notice the word in the the verse 5, how it says here, For I know that you're seeking Jesus who was crucified. Don't be afraid because I know that you are seeking Jesus. Now the word seeking is very important that we look at it even today. I know that you are seeking. What are you seeking today? I pray that you would be seeking Jesus. You see, it's too easy to be seeking for different things in life that leave us empty. In fact, the only thing that Christ wanted empty was the tomb so your heart can be full. 
And it's important that we realize this because he's saying, I know what you are seeking. You're seeking for a living hope, but you're looking at it for the living hope here at this empty tomb. In Luke chapter 24, verse 5, the angel speaks to them and he says, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why is it that you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. What does this tell us? That we cannot have a living hope in anything else, in anywhere else, except in Jesus Christ, in a relationship with Jesus, in the resurrection, in, in the eternal life that He offers us this. So it's important for us to be seeking life and purpose and hope and fulfillment only in the right places. Are you seeking for hope in dead things? Are you seeking for hope in a place where there is no hope? Are you seeking for hope where there is no hope? Are you seeking for life in a place that doesn't give you life and purpose and fulfillment and all the wrong things? Well, here he's saying, I know that you're seeking for Jesus. But I want you to know something as you're seeking for Jesus. And this is a, a celebration. The, the resurrection story is not a funeral. It's a festival. And, and listen to this, how he says, I know that you're seeking for Jesus. He is not here. It says here, who was crucified, verse 6. He is not here. He is risen as he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. Now notice that he's saying, I know that you're seeking Jesus, but he's not here. Why is he not there? Because he had resurrected. He is risen. I like that it says he is because he is actively, presently still alive. What is it that we learn here in the very first few verses? That Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, overcomes now his enemies. What did he overcome through his death and resurrection? Why is this so important to us? Because through his death and through his resurrection, he overcame, number one, the world. Write that down, please, church. Jesus overcame the world. And today we can find peace in that. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulations. But cheer up, I have overcome the world. See, this is an encouragement that we need to hear about today. That yes, we're going through through challenges. Yes, we're going through some suffering. Yes, we're going through some trial. Yes, we're going through some tribulations. But cheer up. Be encouraged, church. Jesus has overcome His enemies. He overcame the world. John 16, verse 33. It also tells us the word that Jesus overcame the flesh or overcame sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Paul tells us this, For we have been united together in the likeness of His death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our own man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Do you know that the resurrection, the victory of the, of the resurrection, gives you victory over the bondage of sin? That no longer sin has power over you because of the resurrection? Jesus overcame His enemies. Jesus overcame sin. He overcame the flesh. That means that me and you no longer have to live in bondage. But Jesus also overcame death itself. Now, we find a lot of hope in this. Because a lot of people are scared of dying. We see people all over the world right now freaking out. They're scared. They're not so much scared in a virus. They're scared of catching the virus and then dying. But notice this. We do not have to be 
in fear. We don't have to live in fear. Yes, we take precautionary measures in wisdom. Yes, we understand what we're called to do. But Jesus here tells us that through the resurrection, he overcame death itself. And that gives you hope. That gives you hope that after we die, there's an afterlife. And that if you put your trust in Jesus, you will be one day reunited with the Lord. And we will see Him face to face. That those that put their faith in Jesus, that we will be reunited with those family members as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, it tells us this. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Paul is saying, I'm not scared of death. In death, you no longer have victory over me. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus overcame death. We no longer are scared of death anymore. You see, the punishment of sin is death. But because Jesus overcame sin, we no longer are scared of death because sin does not have any more power over us if we're living in the power of the resurrection. I want to tell you this today. Do you need some encouragement this morning? If you need encouragement this morning, I want you to, to behold, to look straight and focus at the empty tomb because that empty tomb serves you to fill your heart and your life with hope. Jesus overcame the flesh. He overcame sin. He overcame death. And He overcame the world. What an encouragement for us this morning. But also Jesus keeps His promises. Now let's read verse 6 at the end of verse 6. Because it tells us now in verse 6, He is not here. He is risen now as He said. Has someone ever told you something that they were going to do something and maybe they didn't keep their promise? Well, the resurrection tells us that He keeps His promises. That only Jesus overcomes now the world. Not only does Jesus overcome His enemies, but Jesus also keeps His promises. And today, we can live on promises. Do you know that the Christian doesn't live on circumstances? That the Christian doesn't live on surroundings? The Christian lives on promises that are founded on the Word of God? Today, this Easter, you can live on promises. And look what the promise is here, that He rose just like He said. Let's read it here in verse now 6. He is not here. He is risen as He said. Come and see. This is so important. This Easter Sunday, that you would come and see the place where the Lord lay. You see, not only does the angel tell us to behold and to focus on an empty tomb, he tells us, I want you to come in. I want you to see for yourself. I want you to experience the empty tomb. I want you to see the place where the Lord was laying. This is an invitation for you to step in. What happens when you see, when you come and when you see the place where the Lord lay? But when you see the place where the Lord lay, you also see that the Father never forsook the Son, Jesus. Well, isn't that amazing? When you go into the tomb and you see and you begin to behold and you begin to observe, you notice that the Father, God, never forsook the Son, Jesus. That's why you want to see that place. You also see that when you look at the place where Jesus slayed, you see that death was conquered. He's no longer there. He's missing the body of Christ is not there. That's what you see when you look at the place where he lay. Also what you see when you look at the place where he lay, you see that we have a living friend in Jesus. That he's not going to let you down. 
Have you had, ever had a friend that let you down, that he promised something, but didn't complete that promise? Well, Jesus is your master, your savior, a living friend that will not let you down, that keeps his promise. You see, do you know why these, these women and even the disciples were living in fear? They were, they were worried. In fact, they were living like this because they forgot the promises. They forgot the, the resurrection promise. And it's so easy to get discouraged when you forget the promises of God. In fact, there are some of us that can get anxious and worried and live in fear when we forget the promises of God. They were sorrowing instead of rejoicing when they were going to the tomb because they had forgotten the promises of now God that the Lord always keeps His promises no matter how dark the day may look, no matter how heavy the day may feel. There are some days that feel so heavy there are some days that you maybe are going to enter and they look so dark, but understand during those moments, whatever you see and however you feel, His promises are still real. In Luke chapter 24, the angel tells them, remember, He's risen. Remember how He spoke to you. And He said now that, that you would go in Galilee and that you would see Him. But the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, He would rise again. And it says this, And they remembered His words. I want to encourage you that as you step into the tomb, as you step into this story right now, as you step into the truth of the resurrection, you would remember His words. Have you spent time in the Word of God? Are you standing on the Word of God so that you do not become discouraged? That nothing and no one can discourage you. Because you remember the promises and these promises that will never fail us. In verse 7, it tells us this. And it tells, they tell, he, after he said, come and see, look at the exhortation. Look at the first commission now. Come and see so that you can go and tell. After the resurrection, what's our responsibility as a church? Yes, that you would come and see so that you can go and tell. Do you see that you come into the resurrection into the picture, into the tomb, into, and that you step in after that stone has been rolled away. You step in to be equipped now in the empty tomb so that you can go and that you can tell that you are commissioned here for the first time, the disciples. And it tells us this in verse 7, go and tell quickly. Circle the word quickly. Because now is a time for urgency. Now is not the time for compromise. Now is not the time for us to step back in our calling. Now is not the time for the church to hide. Now is the time for the church to go and to dwell and to do it with urgency. You see, the season that we're living in, although it's, it's, it's changing so quickly, although it's so unpredictable, it's not the season where the church hides or puts their gifts away. In fact, it's the season where the church steps out and goes and tells of the hope that we have in the resurrection. Go quickly with urgency. Tell the disciples. Tell them what? Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you. What are they telling them? That he's risen from the dead. Why is it so important that me and you would go and tell? You see, it's important that we would go and to tell. Because his resurrection, the promise of the resurrection, not only give us hope. Not only give us eternal life, but also give others eternal life. There are seven times in the Bible and the Gospels where Jesus referred to him as I am. They're called the I am statements. But there was one I am statement in John chapter 11 where, where Lazarus was dead. 
And Mary and Martha went to Jesus and they cried out and they said, Jesus, if you would have only came, my brother would still be alive. In John chapter 11, verse 25, it said that Martha went crying to Jesus. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die because of the promise of the resurrection. And then he asks her this, do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I'm going to ask you, do you believe this, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that you have no other life, you have no other promise of life or of eternal life outside of Christ? This is exactly why we should go and tell. Because we are taking the promise of the resurrection and the life to places that need to be filled with hope. But it also, after learning that Jesus overcomes His enemies, after learning that Jesus also keeps His promises, we learn that Jesus goes before you. Well, this is amazing today, this Easter. To know that Jesus is going before us. Let's read that last part of verse 7. It says, He is risen from the dead indeed, and He is going before you. Where is He going? He's going now before you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. See, this is so important for us to realize and for us to understand that not only does, has Jesus resurrected, but He's going before you. And there is nothing more safe for us to know than the shepherd going before the sheep and preparing the way for them. In John chapter 10 verse 4, it says that Jesus brings out, the, or the shepherd brings out the sheep and he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Jesus goes before you now. So what does this tell me? This tells me today that he is a victorious savior. That he goes before me. That He is on the throne. That He is in control. That He defeated death. And because He goes before me, then I can trust Him. You see, today our trust is being tested. But as we look at the resurrection, we see that He goes before us. That He keeps His promises. That He has overcome now His enemies. And because He goes before me, because He's on the throne, because He's in control, I can trust Him. I want you to know that God's best gifts are not things that He gives us because a lot of the times we're satisfied in things. We want things and the more things that we have, well, the more satisfied we are, the more secure that we feel. Now God's best gifts are not in the things, but God's greatest gifts sometimes that He sends our way are opportunities. Because what we call as an adversity, God calls as an opportunity for Him to display His power in our lives. And I really believe that today, this Easter, He wants to remind us that this season is an opportunity for Him to display His power in our lives. He goes before you, church. He goes before you. But where is He going? It says He's going into Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, here's the second. Behold, focus on this. Focus on His assurance that He is going before you. I can focus on the fact that Jesus is going before me. I can focus on the empty tomb. I can focus that He's going before me. And that, that, that word, He goes before you. You know what it tell, is telling you? 
is telling us that He's going before you because He wants to continue a relationship with you. That you would see Him again. He's going before you and you'll be reunited in relationship. This is amazing. I can focus on the fact that in this season, the Lord is going before me. And He's going before you. And He wants a relationship with you. And you have His assurance. Behold, focus on this. So a lot of times we focus on all the wrong things. But you focus on the empty tomb. You focus on His access into the tomb, into hope. If you focus on His assurance that He goes before you, you can grow in a relationship with Him. In fact, it says that He was going into Galilee. Yes, He was seen before Jesus many times before Galilee. But why was Galilee important? I want you to know today. Galilee was important because that was the now supreme post-resurrection appearance that Jesus did in Galilee. In fact, it, it was told to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Paul says that in Galilee, Jesus appeared to over 500 people or eyewitnesses at one time. Why is that important for us? It's important for us to know the details in the fact that Jesus, in fact, did resurrect from the dead and He appeared to 500 people at once. It was undeniable. You can't make that up. You cannot convince over 500 people to believe that they saw Jesus all at the same time and they agree on the same story. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 6, it tells us this. After that, He was seen over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remains to be present, but some have fallen asleep. He's saying there are some that are still speaking of that moment where they saw Jesus over 500 people all at once. And then we see here in verse 8, as it continues, it says, Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly, verse 8, to the tomb here from the tomb, with fear and with great joy, and ran to bring his disciples' word. Now, what does it say? They went quickly, and it also says that they ran. <laughs> I think it's time for the church to go quickly. It's time for the church to stand up and to run. Instead of, to, instead of standing back in fear, that we should run in joy. And yes, sometimes you're going to be filled with fear, but it doesn't mean you can't have joy at the same time. Do you see how it says that they, they ran with fear and great joy? <laughs> they still had a lot of questions. They just saw Jesus. They saw an angel that, and they announced that they would see Jesus. They, they didn't have all the answers. They didn't have all the explanations here. But they did know one thing, that they had a great joy. And now they were expecting to see Jesus. So they ran to bring His disciples' word. They ran to announce. They ran to be evangelists. They ran with urgency now. Because there is always an opportunity to speak about Jesus. There is always an opportunity to go. There's always an opportunity to run. There's always an opportunity, yes, to have joy. Why is it that they had joy? Because they had a message. And the moment that you forget the message that you have is the moment that you also forget the joy. Do you understand that they had joy because of the message they possessed? And when you hold on to that message that Jesus is alive, nothing and no one else can take away your joy. They had joy. So it says here in verse 9, And they went to tell His disciples, and I love this word, it comes up again the third time, Behold. <laughs> so they went and they told the disciples. They didn't linger on. They went and they gave His disciples now encouragement. 
They went and tell his disciples, Behold, behold. Now, what, are they, what does this behold teach us? Well, let's read, read verse 9. It says, Behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice. So they came and they held him by the feet and they worshipped him. Just imagine, they're running with expectation to give encouragement. And behold, Jesus. <laughs> and behold, Jesus meets you on the way there to tell his disciples. And he tells you to rejoice. What does the third behold tell us? What does this focus tell us? To focus on his appearing. Focus on His appearing. Focus on His presence. In the dark moments of our lives, I can focus on an empty tomb that is filled with hope. I can focus also on His appearing now. I can focus now on the promises of the Lord that have never failed us. Behold, focus now on His appearing because Jesus met them with the word of encouragement. You want to know what the word of encouragement for us today is to rejoice. And that's what He tells them. Rejoice now. That's the message of the resurrection. Rejoice. And they came and they held Him by the feet. And, and they, in order to hold Him by the feet, notice they had to kneel. They needed, needed to surrender. They needed to humble themselves. They wanted to be here now prostrated. They were compelled to worship. The resurrection should compel you to worship and to go now and surrender at the feet of Jesus. In the book of John, I love how it describes the story because it says that, that Mary went and, they, and she held on to Jesus. And Jesus says, Mary, don't cling to me. <laughs> you know the word cling to me? When you cling to someone, what does it mean? You're, man, that person is clingy. He doesn't ever stop following me. He doesn't let go. He's always on me. And Jesus is saying, you know what? It's time for you to let me go because you have to take that message. May we be also like Mary, though, that she held on to Jesus and did not want to let go. What a beautiful picture of the first evangelists, these women, that were worshipers at the feet of Jesus, clinging on to his feet, compelled to worship him. Notice what's amazing here. They had a commission, they were commissioned to go and tell his disciples. And on their way there, they met Jesus. Because you always meet Jesus on the pathway of obedience. You always meet Jesus on the pathway of obedience. There is never a time that you will meet Jesus on the pathway of disobedience. These women were being obedient now. And on that pathway to go and to tell now, after they had came and they saw now the empty tomb, they were going on that pathway of obedience. And there they met Jesus. Have you met Jesus recently? Are you on the pathway of obedience? Or are you on a different pathway rejecting now the Lord? Because it says that on that pathway they were able to see Him. They were holding on to Him. And now here, verse 10, it says, Then Jesus said to them after, Do not be afraid. Isn't this the second time we get it in only 10 verses? Do not be afraid. The second time. First you hear it from an angel, the messenger. Now today, we also have the Holy Spirit to tell us, do not be afraid. But we also have Jesus in His Word that's telling us, do not be afraid. My son, my daughter, do not fear. And whatever situation that you are in, Jesus is telling, I'm alive. I've overcome. I'm going before you. I've overcome my enemies. I keep my promises. Don't be afraid. <laughs> He's reminding them again because this is something that they needed to hear in the hour of tragedy. And this is something that we need to hear in the hour of tragedy. Do not be afraid. He's filling their hearts with courage. The resurrection fills your heart with courage. 
You don't have to be afraid. And it tells him here, look, he commissions them again the second time. There is a commission after the resurrection. And he says here, go and tell again. Come and see, go and tell. Go and tell who? Go and tell my brethren. I love how Jesus uses the word my brethren because he's talking in such a gentle form of full assurance that they're going to see him again. Go and tell my brethren into Galilee here. Go into Galilee and tell them that there they will see me. There they will see me again. He's giving them full assurance now. In the most tender terms now. That all had passed away. And that fear that they had was buried forever. Now there's one thing that is not buried. And that is Jesus. Jesus walked out of that tomb. He was resurrected so that he can bury the fear that we're struggling with on a day-to-day basis. And that's why he says, do not fear. That is the message of the resurrection. Do not fear. Do not fear. And it's so amazing because as we've learned that it is do not fear, we also know in John chapter 20, verse 19 to 20, That his resurrection promises us peace and not fear. And maybe that's what you need, peace and not fear. It tells us that after the resurrection that the disciples were together now in one place. And they were there and the doors were shut. They were scared. They were filled with fear because of the Jewish people that were persecuting them because of their faith in Jesus. And they were safe at home, so to speak. (laughs) In fact, the doors were shut. And in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, In the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Why were the doors shut? Why were they assembled behind closed doors for fear? It was fear that kept them back on closed doors. It says this, that Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. I love it that Jesus didn't need an open door to stand in the midst of them. That he walked in, that he made an appearance now. That Jesus stood in the midst of them and he said to them, Peace be with you. What does he tell them? Peace. They had fear, but he gave them peace. And when he said this, he showed them his hands. When he said this, he showed them his side. And the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. Today, Jesus wants to show you his hands. He wants to show you his side. He wants you to say, you know what? Do not be afraid. I know you are now here behind closed doors. I know there's some fear in your heart right now. I know there's some fear settling in your heart. But Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I have kept my promises. Not only have I kept my promises, but he also assures us in his word that he goes before you. Just think about that today. On this Easter, the Lord has gone before me. The Lord has overcome his enemies. And the Lord has kept his promises. And and look what he tells them. Look at my hands and look at my side. That's what the Lord wants to show you. His hands and his side. So Jesus said to them, peace to you again. He told them two times that. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead so that they can live in fear. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Jesus did not resurrect from the dead 
so that the church can live in fear. So I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. It said that he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive now the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is important because we need to receive the Holy Spirit through the power of the resurrection. The Bible tells us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in us. It's the same power that lives in you and it lives in me. He breathed on them just as the Father sent me, so I sent you. He did not resurrect so that you can live in fear. That means that today I can go to the cross for forgiveness, that you can go to the cross for forgiveness, and you can step out of the grave in victory. This is the way how victory looks like, that we're living in the power of the resurrection, full of hope, because He overcame His enemies, because He overcame the world, He overcame the flesh, He overcame fear, He overcame doubt, because He kept His promises. He never failed when He kept His promises, and because He goes before you. He goes before you. There was a man, he was a scientist, he had a six-year-old son, and his son was bothering him as his, uh, his father was studying, and his father was getting everything together and his workload together, and his son, his son is telling him, Dad, play with me. Daddy, play with me. And his, his father's saying, well, I, I can't. I'm so busy. <laughs> and his dad thought, well, I have a magazine here on my desk, and he looked, he flipped it. He's trying to get his son busy, and he opens up to a, a picture of the map of the world. Notice that, a picture of the map of the world. And he starts to cut. He said, I have a great idea, the scientist. And I'm going to cut this picture of the map of the world in many pieces. And then I'm going to give it to my son as a puzzle for him to put it together. <laughs> so he cuts the, the picture of the map of the world in many pieces now. And he says, you know what, my son, there's no way that he's, he's going to be busy for a while. There's no way he's going to put this back together. So he tells him to his son, hey, you know what, just work on this. And when you're done with this, then we can play. <laughs> so his son goes and... Five minutes later, he comes back. He says, Dad, I'm done. <laughs> and he says, well, what do you mean you're done? He's like, look, here's the map of the picture. Well, I put it all back together. And to his surprise, the scientist, it was a perfect picture. Every piece was placed in the right location. And his father said, how'd you do that, son? How'd you do that so quick? How'd you put the world back together? Son, how'd you put the world back together? The boy answered and said, well, I don't know the world, Dad. And you tore it into pages, and I tried to do it, and I don't know the world, Dad. But I will, when I looked at the back side of the magazine page that you tore, there was a picture of a man. So I started to put the pieces of the man together. And when I fixed now the picture and the image of the man, and I fixed that person then I turned it around and I saw the world had been fixed as well. Isn't that the picture of what the Son Jesus did for us? That He fixed the problem with the heart of man. He fixed the problem of man at the cross. So in turn, the problem of the world with no hope would also be fixed. You see, the, the answer to us today is to understand that the Son has dealt with the heart of man. And He has given you a reason to believe in Him. He has given you today a reason to believe in Him. Wherever you are, He gave you a reason to believe in Him. He overcame His enemies. He kept His promises. And He goes before you. And if today you're struggling with fear, today we're struggling with doubt, I want to I pray with you this simple prayer to ask Jesus to come into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. 
And that today you no longer live in fear, but you're living in promises. You're living in faith. You're living in joy because of the work, the finished work of the Son at the cross. And then three days later, He victoriously overcame sin. And no longer do you have to live in bondage to that old life. Would you join me? And wherever you are right now, maybe you've listened to this and you say, I want that peace. I want that joy. I want that assurance. I want to focus on the right things. I want to focus on an empty tomb. I want to focus on the fact that He keeps His promises. I want to focus on the fact that He goes before me. If you want to focus on those things and ask the Lord to come into your life as your personal and Savior, why don't you pray with me right now? Lord Heavenly Father, just repeat this prayer. Lord Heavenly Father, I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and mercy upon my life. Thank you because my hope is a living hope. It's not a dead hope. And Lord, I hold on to the fact that you have overcome your enemies. You overcame, Lord, the world. Lord, I exchange this fear for peace, for joy that only comes through you, Jesus. Wash me with your blood. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we said.